0: As much as we all want insurance and assuming you're healthy enough to qualify for the insurance, there is a financial underwriting criteria out there. Insurance companies may, may ask.
1: You're listening to the Right Club podcast, where the focus is all about helping you grow your real estate investment portfolio and live the life you want to live. Come grow with us and join our community at therightclub.com. And now, your hosts, Sarah Larby and Alfonso Salemi.
2: Hello, Right Club Nation, it is Sarah Larby and my co-host today is Laurel Simmons. Hello, Laurel. How are you? Hi, Sarah. I'm doing great. How are you? Excellent, excellent. I'm quite enjoying having you as a co-host and I think it's like the third or fourth podcast we do together. Yes, because I have hair. <laughs> like, like Alfonso. Purple hair, I like the wine too. It's and really purple good. hair too, yes. <laughs> awesome. So we've got a, a great podcast planned, a great episode. And Leticia is uh is giving us a different perspective today on wealth strategies and how to preserve your wealth using Insurance and uh, it is actually quite interesting. Never really thought about it that uh, you know insurance could be uh, an ideal way of limiting the amount of taxes or the amount of money that you lose to the governments uh, upon death. What do you think about the podcast before we uh, we roll it out?
3: Oh, I thought you had some really really good points. Um, because you know as investors we get so caught up in in the deal, right? In, yeah, in the deal we're working on or the next deal, and we never a lot of us never sort of take the time to step back and go, Hey, wait a minute. It only takes one key person or maybe, you know, to just not be there and all of a sudden the whole thing falls apart and we, need, we really do need to protect everybody. Yeah. you will we'll go through.
2: Absolutely. She has some great tips and pointers on how to do it with joint ventures as well, which is uh, very applicable to many listeners out there doing joint venture partnerships with real estate investing. Yeah.
3: And just the whole general, like protecting your own wealth, not just for now, but for the next generation and the next generation. She talked about generational wealth.
2: Yeah, she absolutely did. And uh, before we get into the interview, the only thing I will say, guys, is we have this amazing ebook that you absolutely want to download on our website at therightclub.com. And Daniel actually originally put it all together. It's part one of three of all of the different obstacles and challenges that really expert investors went through and their tips and strategies for that so really good read it's on the website temporarily guys it's free go get it and uh, let us know what you think all right so shall we uh shall we listen to the interview now absolutely let's do it let's
0: do it welcome to the show leticia how are you i am wonderful thank you so much ladies sarah and laurel for having me on the show i really appreciate the opportunity It's our pleasure. It's our pleasure.
2: So for the listeners, for the Right Club Nation, can you tell us a little bit about you
0: and also your real estate strategy? Okay. Well, my real estate strategy so far, well, let me tell you a little bit about my background and how I even came upon real estate investing. A few years ago, I met a realtor that worked with investors, primarily flippers in the Mississauga area. And flipping was all the rage at the time. You were seeing all those shows on TV. And uh, I thought that it would be a great way to supplement my income. And I did take on doing a flip in the Mississauga area. And it went well. It took about four months. I I profited at the end of it. But what I did find was that it was taking a lot of my time and taking away focus from my active income business. I worked as an insurance and investment advisor with a large brokerage firm. And I was doing that as my active income. And then all of a sudden, this flipping, I realized it was going to be very time consuming. In the meantime, I started educating myself about different strategies. I actually happened upon a Keyspire event, and that's how I found out about how buy and hold may actually be a, a better long-term strategy because you profit in multiple ways from a property. So the property that was going to be my second flip ended up being a, uh, a buy and hold, and I kept that property for five years. Dealt with a lot of tenant issues in the process, some kind of painful. Um, and um, and in the meantime, I continued educating myself at the same time. In recent years, I also became a mom. I have a four-year-old. So I had to put a hold of my, on some of my ventures, including real estate. However, uh, I am currently uh, looking to move into my next deal, hopefully in the multi-unit space. And, and while I attended a lot of these different real estate investors, educational groups, what I realized was that while there were a lot of uh, strategies given to investors about how to grow their wealth, You learn about rent-to-owns, you learn about flipping, you learn about buy-and-holds, duplexing, you name it. Not a lot of talk was there about how we can actually protect our growing wealth and, and how can we actually keep this wealth in the family, make sure that we are not liable from a tax perspective. How can we minimize taxation, make sure that our wealth stays in the family, and how can we also protect our joint venture partners? So those are areas where I feel that the financial industry and the real estate world can uh, mesh and work together very well. And I'm happy to tell you a bit more about that.
2: Okay. Wow. That's a a lot of information. Thank you for sharing all of that. And uh, it is really interesting to see all the different things that you've been able to do. And the other thing is you've also spoken at our club, at The Right Club in the past, and your talk was really, really also quite interesting.
0: Thank you. Thank you again for that opportunity. And you
2: know what I think is really interesting is that you know, you,
3: you, you were saying that you did a flip and then, and I noticed, you know, you have a, a daughter, right? So a little oh, son. A son, a little guy, oh, a son, a son. And so it's funny how when you have kids, all of a sudden you might, you know, if you don't have kids before, you don't really think about it. As soon as you get a child, now you're thinking about how could I protect what I'm doing? Absolutely.
0: Uh, for the future because it's not just yourself anymore, is it? It's a
1: generation.
0: Absolutely, yeah. And some of the strategies I'm going to talk about, I certainly have implemented those myself and I hope others will find those helpful.
2: So let's talk about some of
0: those strategies. What are they and uh, what are you referring to? Well, thank you, Sarah, for the question. So one of the things that comes to mind, very top of mind, is the fact that an increasing number of investors are beginning to work with joint venture partners. Oftentimes, in most cases, I would like to say the joint venture partner is, is a passive investor, somebody that wants, obviously, a high return on their money. They are not looking to take over the management of the deal. They, they like to be a passive investor. They like the fact that they're getting that higher return on their money. Oftentimes, this person is a more mature individual, somebody that has had the opportunity to accumulate some wealth, some capital. And one of the things that may be on their mind is their own mortality. You know, hey. Hey. Uh, I I like what you're telling me here, but um, what happens if you get hit by the bus tomorrow? How is my investment protected? And it's one thing to tell them, well, your investment is protected by real estate. Now, think about the fact that you may have multiple joint venture partners on a deal in case of, let's say, a multi unit deal. And perhaps this partner doesn't want to take over the management of a deal. What if you're in the middle of massive repositioning of an asset? And now you're expecting this person who may not have any experience with real estate, hands on management experience, to Take over the management of a deal. Having a life insurance policy on yourself as the principal on a deal that you can then assign to various joint venture partners is one of the strategies that can give your joint venture partners extra peace of mind. It may just be that that final push that, that allows them to sign on the dotted line and say, Yeah, you know what? Something happens to you. My money is protected no matter what. The other consideration that real estate investors may not know about is that the the more you're worth on paper, the more you're also worth to the CRA. We know that certain taxes apply to real estate investing. We all know that if you, you know, on your primary residence, there's something called primary residence exemption. When we pass on our primary residence to our kids, to our loved ones, there's no capital gains tax on the primary residence. However, that preferential treatment is not available to any other properties we may have. So any other investment properties, when the time comes to pass on that wealth to the next generation. The C.R.E. considered that you have disposed of your properties at fair market value. So all of a sudden, they want from you capital gains tax, or rather from your heirs. They want capital gains tax. If you have been depreciating your rental properties, which you're allowed to do, we're allowed to take what's called capital cost allowance or depreciation expense. That is great. While you're alive and well, you get to pay less tax on the rental income. It's It's a deductible against your rental income. However, in that final hour, CRA says, give us what's called recapture depreciation, CCA recapture. So it's a double tax whammy that applies to a portfolio of real estate. Now, a lot of investors may say, well, what if my properties are held in a corporation? Will that avoid the tax issue? Unfortunately, it does not. What happens in the case of a corporation, you still will have a capital gain on the value of the shares, so when those shares transfer hands to the next generation, there will be still that accrued capital gain on the value of the shares corresponding to the accrual or the increase in the value of the underlying properties. So the CRA wants to get their money one way or another. Where insurance comes into play is that it can literally provide liquidity to the estate, to your heirs, to take care of this tax liability so that they're not in a position all of a sudden to have to do a fire sale of assets because within six months of the you no longer being here, the CRE wants to get paid. So, so there are multiple strategies where, where life insurance can be used as a tool to both help uh, grow your wealth as a real estate investor and also to help preserve it for the next generation. Uh, when it comes to protecting your joint venture partners, those types of needs can be, and by the way, um, in addition to protecting your joint venture partners, even more traditional lenders like to know that their, their investment is protected. I have a client who um, is growing a business in a different industry and he re- recently had to take out a $3 million loan. His lenders requested mm-hmm. that he put in place life insurance. And and the nice thing about that is that you can assign a life insurance policy to uh, one of your lenders in the proportion of the amount that they lend you. So if they lend you 100000 you might have a million dollar policy and you might have three people that are currently assigned on that policy. As soon as you pay them back, you no longer have that obligation, you can relinquish that assignment. So it's a tool that you can use over and over again um, on multiple deals as you move forward in your in your investing career.
2: Leticia, I have a question. Sure. So you currently are a wealth strategist.
0: Yes, yeah. I like to describe myself okay. that way because these are strategies we're talking about really.
2: Right. And so how did you I'm just curious like how all of this stuff came about like did you learn and then put the pieces together and then decide that you want to teach people about this stuff like how did this whole thing come about because you're doing something that different you're doing a different type of strategy and you're really helping people understand the insurance piece of it the tax piece of it why they want to obtain insurance how to preserve your wealth and I'm just curious how this all got started initially.
0: So thank you, Sarah. I mean, I, my background was initially in what we call the family market or the more traditional uses of insurance that most people know about, which is, let's make sure our loved ones are protected. If I'm no longer here, my wife, my husband can still afford to pay the mortgage on our primary residence, for example. So those are. That's right. And I still am. I am a licensed insurance broker. That's what allows me to even discuss these sort of strategies with you right? I'm a licensed life agent. I'm also in the process of obtaining my trust and estates practitioner designation and my CFP, Certified Financial Planner designation. It's a multi-year process. So it's going to take me at least a couple of years to get them. But in the meantime, I've been educating myself, taking courses in this area, what what we call estate planning. And at the same time, since I became an investor, I, I saw that there's a need out there. Like I I knew I knew the tax piece. I knew about the capital gains tax, the deferred capital gains tax on real estate. I knew about recapture of depreciation. I have a, an accountant will confirm these things for you. I mean, recently at one of the other clubs that I'm not gonna name, they had an accountant that works with real estate investors in front of 700 people talk about specifically this issue that you guys are gonna have a tax bill at the end of the day. And Here's your opportunity to do something about it. And, and life insurance is one of the best ways. It's, it's really one of the most cost-effective ways to do something about it. Because in the absence of having that liquidity available, how where is that liquidity going to come about or going to come from? Is it going to come from uh, liquidating assets? Are you are your heirs going to be able to refinance these properties? We all know how easy it is to get a mortgage these days. So <laughs> who knows what the CRA may be doing 20, 30, 40 years from now. But in terms of if you're asking like what my why is, well, I've, I've seen for myself the kind of wealth that can be created through real estate. I have seen people in my circles coming to all these meetings. I've met successful investors. I'm, I'm very inspired. I love what real estate can do for people in terms of creating wealth and allowing people to become financially independent. I love, I love choice. I love capitalism <laughs> for lack of a better term. And I think that people that have the the wherewithal and the grit to pursue real estate investing, to build this wealth for themselves and their families. They deserve to keep that for their families and really create that intergenerational wealth. I don't like the idea of a third or more of your wealth uh, being dissipated into taxes. I think we pay an exorbitant amount of taxes as it is as Canadians, something like 43% of our income. If you add up all the taxes, on average, it goes to taxes. So I think we pay enough while we're alive and well. I don't like the idea of um, our wealth, even once we're no longer on the planet, going to to the government.
1: Hey, Right Club Nation. This week's sponsor is Emil Jelnik. Emil is a mortgage broker that has personally helped me grow my real estate portfolio and rent-of-own business for years now. The really cool thing is that he started out like most of us, with no property and no money. Over his investing career, he was able to accumulate over 200 units. The beauty is that with the meal, you not only get the mortgage you need, but you get investing advice from someone there that has been there and done it and has the experience.
2: Absolutely. Now, if you're just getting started, or perhaps you already have many properties, or even if you want to get into commercial investing, Emil can help you. And he's already helped many of our Right Club Nation listeners. He's very focused on helping you and our listeners meet their financial dreams. So if you wanted to reach out and call Emil, you can call him at 416-402- 7448, or visit his website, which is jellyneckmortgages.ca.
1: If you want to get to know more about Emil, you can check out his episode of our podcast, episode number 21, and get to know Emil a little bit better yourself. But for now, back to the podcast.
2: You're saying, though, that insurance is going to prevent that from happening by having the insurance. Now, Absolutely. when you say insurance, are you talking about whole life? Are you talking about term or what kind of insurance are you talking about?
0: So, So thanks for asking that question, Sarah. Not sure how familiar our listeners are with the different types of insurance. So very briefly, in the marketplace, we have different types of insurance products, life insurance. We have what's called term insurance, which is a temporary type coverage anywhere from 10 to 20 to 30 years. You lock into a premium during that time. You have the option to later convert that to a permanent policy. But the idea is you may or may not want to do that. Term insurance is meant to cover a temporary type need. On the other hand, when we're talking about these more permanent types of issues, such as taxation on somebody's passing, well, that's going to apply regardless of when a person passes away. So really, both types of products could be used depending on what strategy we are concerned with. So for example, a young investor that is just in that building stage, for them, it may be more important to have a large amount of term insurance on themselves, which they can go about assigning to their various joint venture partners, protecting their lenders, and at the same time, in other words, using it as a tool to grow their wealth, knowing that at any point, at a later point in time, they have the option of converting that to something of a permanent nature. And the nice thing about that is that you have preserved your insurability. You have gotten that policy while you're young and healthy. You're not going to have to worry about answering medical questions when you're 65 years old, for example. Now, if we're talking to an investor that has already amassed wealth and they are now at that really legacy planning stage of their life, this is where we are more in the realm of permanent life insurance policy. So whole life, universal life is another type of policy that can be used. It really depends on the client's age, their investing goals. So some policies such as whole life can, be, can grow with you. Now, if a young investor has the means to to put in place something of a permanent nature, even at a young age, all the better. You're, you're, you're locking into rates based on your young age of right now. You may even be in a position to pay for the coverage within 10 or 20 years and, and not have to worry about doing it later. And some of these policies have this accumulation of capital inside of them, which, by the way, can also be used during your lifetime. There are, there are creative strategies that can be employed with these more permanent policies. So... Does that answer your question, Sarah? Yeah, no, thank you for that. It's great. I have a question, Leticia. So
3: you were talking about like basically the money partner getting insurance, right, to protect their wealth. But in a joint venture, often, most times, uh, certainly with, and I know with a lot of the people that come to the right club and, you know, that we see on a daily basis, they're younger. So they are the, um, they're not the money partner. Yeah, they're not the principal. They're the person that actually does the work, and pulls the people together and all the rest of it. So. To me there's there's two sides to this, right? So the, the money partner may have insurance, but so to protect their wealth. But what about the the other side? What about the person who does the work? Is there something because let's face it, if their money partner dies, then the the person who is doing all the work it's kinda their name could be on the mortgage, for example, right? Whatever it is. Maybe they're doing a, a buy and hold and now they're in a situation where they have a they're saddled with a lot of debt. Wait, like 50% more than they, no, actually it's 100% more than they thought they they would have, right? So there's going to be
0: insurance on both sides. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, Laurel. So thanks for bringing that up. Absolutely. In fact, we ideally, that's exactly what we want ideally. we We want to protect both parts of the equation. So it, it's a joint venture. Not a lot of people really think of it this way, but when you think about a joint venture, regardless of how you structure it in terms of the documents, some people choose to incorporate, some people choose to do it as two individuals. When you think about it, it's really a business partnership, no matter how you look at it, it's a business partnership. So for the peace of mind of both partners, ideally, we want to have insurance on both partners to protect each partner's stake in this venture. And in most cases, it can be done depending on And there are different ways to structure it, depending on what kind of corporate structure you put in place, whether you chose to incorporate, whether it's, uh, you know, in the case of a multi-unit deal, it may be an LP type structure. So if we are talking about a corporate entity, the corporate entity or the LP would own the policies. If it's two different individuals, they can come to an agreement as to who pays what portion of the premiums and so on. Ideally, you're absolutely right. The only reason I was speaking more about the principle having insurance is because we're the ones going out there looking for joint venture partners, and this just sweetens the deal a bit. But at the end of the day, ideally, we want both parties to be protected. Then I think, and I think a money partner would also understand that, that side of things. Hey, you know what? I'm putting insurance on myself to protect you. It would make sense if both of us are protected, don't you think? And I think most people are reasonable and would understand. Again, if a person already has an existing life insurance policy, It could well be used for that purpose. Now, one of the considerations that comes up, if if you're a young person that's just grown your portfolio, as much as we all want insurance, and assuming you're healthy enough to qualify for the insurance, there is a financial underwriting criteria out there. Insurance companies may may ask, they do ask, what do you need all this amount of coverage? You're a young person applying for two million dollars worth of coverage. How can you justify that? So if your own personal situation doesn't justify that, we could arguably say, hey, this person is a real estate investor. They are looking at acquisitions. So we may be able to help the underwriters understand what is the purpose for this insurance. Of course, it's always better if you, already, um, if you personally have a need. So, for example, you have uh, enough of a mortgage on your own primary residence or on a certain amount of properties that you may have. Typically, they like to see. Okay, why? Why do you need this coverage? We have to justify the coverage. Right. and it's really interesting you say that
3: because, from what I know about the mortgage industry, and I'm, I am in no way, shape, or form an expert on mortgages. I've just signed a lot of papers for mortgages. <laughs> <laughs> I do understand that. What you, you know, you mentioned the word underwriting and underwriters, and that I think a lot of people. I'm sure it's the same with, with insurance as it is with the same as it is with mortgages. That when you when you are signing a paperwork or, or you're applying and you or the mortgage agent says what's going off to the underwriting department, people don't understand that there's a lot of, there's a lot of levels of fact finding and sorting and searching that that goes on in this stuff. So it's not, I have the mental image of, you know, when I hear the phrase, oh, the underwriters are looking at it, of like my, my application, whatever, going off into this sort of rabbit war and this unlimited building with with office after office after office after office. It's probably not like that, but that's the mental image I
0: have. Absolutely, Laurel. So we have, when it comes to, in case anybody's wondering, you know, hey, uh, suppose I wanted to get myself some insurance. How do I even go about it? What's involved in getting the coverage? One of the things to keep in mind is that insurance is, first of all, it's great to have it. Don't, don't try to buy insurance when the house is on fire. It's always better to look into this and look into your options while you're still as healthy as you are. Of course, the younger the client, the lower the rates. Now, that being said, there are options available even for someone of a certain demographic or a different stage in life. We have options. There are two components. One is your health, which accounts your insurability. And then the other component is your financial underwriting. And that's the piece I was just referring to when it comes to justifying the need for coverage. Why do you as a young person need multi-million dollar policy? We have to justify that. In other words, insurance companies don't want a person being worth more dead than alive. (laughs) And when it comes to health, you know, we are living in times of increasing longevity. That's one thing. People as a whole are taking better care of their health. Insurance premiums actually overall, they've never been as low as they are right now because we are in these times of increasing longevity. In other words, Insurance companies thought, well, this year we were going to have to pay this many claims, but we actually had to pay less. Therefore, those underwriting tables in time get adjusted. All I can say is, our insurability is something a lot of people we, we tend to take for granted. I'm healthy. I take our, you know, we take our health for granted. I would say, on average. Just speaking on average, you know, a thirty year old probably have a better chance of getting approved or an easier time with that underwriting versus sixty-five year old, right? In time things happen to our health. We're not made of steel. I know you guys are super proactive and I would say most investors are proactive. We can be as proactive as we want. We can try to live a healthy lifestyle. Can I plan for the person driving across from me, texting and driving? Unfortunately things I cannot mm-hmm. plan for, but I can prepare for by getting ahead of the curve and, and having these pieces in place for when
1: Absolutely.
2: You know, it's it's a really, really interesting perspective because I'm sure a lot of us haven't even thought about that piece yet, right? Maybe we have jobs, we've got the insurance from the job, the the employment insurance, we've got that piece. But this, what you're talking about is really, really important because this is the stuff that lasts with you throughout time. And so having that conversation and figuring out how to not dwindle your your all of your hard work and your estate away on passing through ta- like for taxes and the government. You know it's a really really great concept. So thank you for sharing all that, Letitia. It's really interesting to to have you uh, on here talking and sharing all we need to know about insurance. I'm sure there's tons more. But, thank but you, um, at this yeah. point of our podcast, it is time for our lightning round. So we're gonna ask you a series of four okay. questions and every single guest gets the exact same four questions and you can answer them within 30 seconds. Are you ready? (laughs) I'll
0: do my best, okay, go ahead.
1: It's now time for the lightning round. This week's lightning round is brought to you by Sarah Larby. Sarah's goal is to help other Canadians create wealth and retire earlier through real estate investing. Ever wonder how to find, screen, and manage the very best tenants? Go to www.saralarby.com to download her free guide. How about where to invest? If so, Sarah is also giving away a free checklist to determine where you will want to buy your next investment property. Check it out on her website. Okay, so
2: question number one, Leticia. What is the best advice that you have ever received from another investor
0: or at a networking event? Oh, wow. Okay. Well, that's a good one. Actually, it was to line up your money partners before you actually even start looking at deals. Start talking to money partners.
3: All right. So question two. So what's your favorite real estate investing resource? You know, Is it a book? Is it a podcast? Is it is it a video? Like, What's your favorite resource? Maybe it's a person. Thank you for asking. I really like
0: the in-person meetings more than anything. You know, I realize there's a lot of, and I know I realize we're doing a podcast and different people have different way of digesting or taking in information. For me, I really appreciate belonging to the group, learning in person. I feel that if I commit to being somewhere in person, for sure I'm going to be exposed to the information I'm going to be taking in. And um, and, and I appreciate the, all the advice and all the, all the wisdom and the networking opportunities also that, that take place at clubs such as The Right Club. In addition to that, because my, my interest moving forward when it comes to real estate investing is in the multi-unit and commercial realm more so, there is um, a mentor that I like, Scott Shiel commercialacademy.com i would say he's my favorite mentor at the moment and i look forward to continuing on that journey excellent mentors are really a really good way to to launch yourself
3: like to really sort of boost yourself up and quickly because they can save you a lot of time a lot of effort and
2: a lot of money Absolutely. absolutely yeah i agree good good leticia so number three what is the one attribute that has made you most
0: successful thank you for asking honestly i would say my resilience I feel that especially the past four years, being a mom, building a business, like running a business and and parenting and and managing tenants, really, I've had to be really resilient. I'm, I'm single parenting as well. So that's been an added dimension. And I know many people are, by the way, some by choice, some accidentally. I really think that, you know, some people would call it grit. I think that's a good thing to have. And I feel that I do have that. And I'm grateful for that. Excellent. Thank you for sharing. So the last
3: question then, Leticia. So, so just pretend it's Sunday morning. It's a, it's a typical Sunday morning uh, for you. What are you doing?
0: Day. That's a good one. I'm actually very blessed in that my, uh, my parents help me with him most weekends. So oh, wow. I have my Sunday mornings for myself. Most likely I'll, I'll, I'll start by doing my gratitude list, my, my meditation, my gratitude list, and then I'll go to the gym. And then I may go to church. We'll see. <laughs> Depends on how early I manage to wake up. All right. Well, that's cool because you make time for yourself,
3: and I think when you look at really successful people, they all make time time for themselves. Because if you don't, you don't last.
0: I agree. I, I agree, Laurel. I, there was a time in my life where work was all I cared for, and you know what? Two years later, I, I had like a burnout experience. So I've been there, done that. I I don't think that's healthy. We all do this because we we have other aspects of life that we care about, like our families or. Mental, emotional health, like that mental, emotional, physical health, that's to me number one. And everything else follows that. We're not healthy and and, and taking care of ourselves. Mm-mm. Everything else you do, I, I feel like it won't be sustainable.
2: Yeah, absolutely. 100% agree. You don't have your health, you don't have anything else that matters. Your health comes first and then the rest comes after. So, Letitia, where can our Right Club Nation, our Right Club listeners reach out and know more about you?
0: Okay. Well, thank you. I am uh, in the process of developing mavenwealth.ca, which is a web presence specifically dedicated to investors. So mavenwealth.ca, info at mavenwealth.ca. And my phone number is 647-406-3716.
2: Amazing. Any final last words of
0: advice for the right club nation? I would say, uh, and thank you for that fabulous question. I would say be proactive about all aspects of planning, including what we've been discussing on this call. You're never as young as you are right now. And in most cases, you're never as healthy as you are right now. This is the time to start lining up the pieces of the puzzle and, and insurance can be one of those pieces. And then in fact, it should be if you're going to be building your empire properly and protecting it, this is the time to, to look into your options.
2: Amazing. Well, on that note, Leticia, thank you so much for being on our podcast. You are a wealth of knowledge when it comes to insurance and ensuring that all of your money doesn't dwindle away in taxes and gets passed down. So thank you so much. And guys, if you want to reach out to Leticia, she also comes to the Right Club regularly. Come out and meet her in person as well. So
0: thank you, Leticia, for all the great insight. Thank you very much, Sarah, Laurel, and Alfonso, and all of you guys for having me. I appreciate everything you do. Great. Thank you, Leticia. My pleasure. Bye. Bye. So Sarah, what did you think of that?
2: Yeah, that was awesome. You know, I realized that I need to set myself up a little bit better. for the future. So, <laughs> just some uh, some good things I'm going to go ahead and work on implementing for the next little while. What about yeah, you? Yeah, well, it's the same thing.
3: I'm thinking, hmm, well, maybe I should go review our insurance policies. I mean, we do have insurance policies, but you know what? And we there's so much to cover under insurance. Right? You can go on and on and on. But I think it really is a good idea to go back and and check them every so often. It's not every year, maybe every 5 years, just to make sure that you're okay because as Letitia said, things change. And yes. You know, the day you buy them is probably the, day, the healthiest day you're going to have in your life. So as we get older, and we all do, <laughs> unfortunately, things change. And it's not just about our health. It's about the people in our lives. You know, you know we may have kids, grandkids, some people have. Um, or, or they, you know, there's all kinds of things they, they want to take care of. So whether it's charity or it just it doesn't matter. Right? If you don't if you don't think about it and prepare yourself, as Letitia said, the government's going to take a lot of your money. So it's really your choice. You protect yourself and you protect your estate or you let the government have it.
2: Absolutely. And for me, if the government can have as little as possible, that is the way that I want to live my life. The least amount to them. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So guys, hopefully you liked that podcast episode and, uh, you know, it's always good to pre-plan, plan ahead, ensure that everything is taken care of. You never know what's going to happen in life. You know, you only have the one and hopefully you live it as healthily and as long as possible. But again, just always plan for those unknowns and the downsides as well. So if you like the interview, if uh, you wanted to come out to The Right Club and you haven't been out there, you want to meet Letitia, come out, reach out to us. Your first one is free. Reach out to Sarah at therightclub.com or Laurel at therightclub.com. And guys, thank you for those that have subscribed, rated and reviewed the podcast. I think we're like at like 45 reviews right now. So thank you guys that took the time to do it. We really, really appreciate it. Anything else, Laurel, that you'd like to add? Yeah, we would love if you'd rate us and review us because it just helps us to get to reach more people because we go up the rankings. So anything you can do to help, we will gratefully take. it would be wonderful. Amazing. All right, well, Laurel, thank you very much for hopping on and being a great co-host and hosting this podcast with me. It was a pleasure. And uh, by the way, we've got to do a a wine tour soon together and uh, you're all into the best wine. So I'm really curious to know where we're going to go in uh, Niagara-on-the-Lake. So. (laughs)
3: Okay. All right. That's (laughs) all right. That's Uh a date.
2: All right, guys. Well, right club nation. Thank you so much for tuning in and see you next week. Bye.
1: Thanks for listening to the right club podcast and joining our community of real estate investors online at the right where the focus is about helping you grow. We look forward to seeing you again next week. Thanks from your hosts, Sarah Larby and Alfonso Salemi.